This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have an episode of Your Homefront Reporter, as it was broadcast over CBS on September 29, 1943. Sponsored by the Owens Illinois Glass Company, the series was aimed at Housewives and aired every afternoon, Monday through Friday. It was hosted first by Flesher Wiley, and then, as in the episode we'll hear today, by Don Pryor, and offered a mix of entertainment, war news, and tips on making the most of limited resources at home. The show ran from May to November 1943. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcasts, where you can find links to past episodes and other information. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash WW2radio. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. Cooperation with the United States government, the Owens Illinois Glass Company, developers of Duraglass containers, present another program with America's favorite home front news hawk and afternoon dropper inner, Don Pryor, with Eleanor Stieber, brilliant young soprano of the Metropolitan Opera, Walter Castle, American baritone, Phil Regan, our popular tenor, and David Brookman and his orchestra. You can help our armies to final victory by joining the Food Fights for Freedom. And Owens, Illinois is in that fight, too. Fighting 20,000 strong, making sturdy, sanitary, featherweight Duraglass containers for the food that's going to win the war and write the peace. And now, a very lovely and beautiful young lady singing a very beautiful song. Eleanor Stieber in Summertime.
Listen now as Walter Castle sings the immortal Through the Years. Through the years I'll take my place beside you, smile. Now here is Don Pryor with the latest home front news. Thank you, Hugh Conover, and good afternoon. Marriage and babies and all that kind of thing are very much in the news today. Love seems to win out over everything, as in the case of Miss Anne Piety of Columbus, Ohio, and John A.S. Wood, a Royal Air Force pilot in England. They met several years ago in Canada and planned to get married. But the war interfered, so Miss Piety took things into her own hands. She found that the state of Iowa recognizes proxy marriages, so she got a license, arranged for an Ohio friend to be a proxy, and plans to be married today in Davenport, Iowa. Then, according to the law and such things, she will be able to join her husband in England, provided she goes into war work there. The courage, the devotion, and the tireless determination of women in love is an overwhelming thing to see. From coast to coast, on trains, in buses, and in airplanes, I've seen red-eyed and weary women, often with tiny babies in their arms, traveling day and night. Most of them are following their men, trying to see them just once more. It's always just once more before they go away. On the plane, flying from Salt Lake City to Seattle, there were three women, with babies ranging from six months to about a year. And one of them, a pretty little girl with a lot of freckles, was forced to get off the plane at Pendleton, Oregon way out in the middle of the wheat fields. She had to give way to somebody traveling on war business with a priority. And I've wondered ever since how she managed to take care of that child for hours in a lonely airport station while she waited for another plane. But the women don't complain. They're really wonderful. 
Incidentally, President Roosevelt has a bill on his desk today which, when he signs it, will provide more than $18.5 million for maternity care for the wives of enlisted men during the coming year. The bill was passed late yesterday and sent to the White House. Congress looks on this program as a sound investment in the future generation and estimates that about 645,000 service wives will be eligible for the benefits. Now I guess that's about enough on babies for today. Now here's some incidental information that you can file away for future reference. You won't get any more olive oil just because Italy has surrendered. Even before the war, Italy imported olive oil for her own use, and her sources of oil have been lost. Out in Australia, scientists have perfected a new kind of butter that will keep without refrigeration. It has no moisture, while ordinary butter has about 16%. Women's fashions in war factories have provided some of the nation's snappiest controversies in the last year or so, and now the War Labor Board, in a ruling announced this morning, has solemnly settled the issue, at least for five plants of the Ohio Crankshaft Company in Cleveland. In WLB announcement number B116, these are the specifications. All uniforms must have short sleeves. No uniforms may have loose belts at the waist or flowing ties. Silk lounging pajamas may not be worn. All female employees must wear slacks. Sweaters may not be worn by female employees. That's the official ruling of the Labor Board, which grew out of a controversy between the company and the CIO. Somebody, of course, asked if the women had ever shown up in lounging pajamas. No, they said, but you can never tell. The telephone rang in a government office in Washington, and Miss Helen Carl, a secretary, said, Hello. Just a moment, please, said the voice at the other end. This is the White House calling. That's just another gag, thought Miss Carl, but it wasn't. It was Mrs. Roosevelt. I met your boyfriend, Sergeant Al Lewis, in Australia, she said, and he asked me to call and say hello. The boys are doing a wonderful job, but they're lonesome for their girlfriends, said the president's wife, who had just returned the other day from a tour of the South Pacific war fronts. I guess just about everybody has a relative in the armed services somewhere. For instance, out at Lukefield, Arizona, the other day, a 73-year-old man named Luther Stover applied for a civilian job. They asked him if he had any relatives in the military service. Yep, he said. A son? No, he said. A nephew. What's his name and rank, please, asked the interviewer. Dwight Eisenhower, said the old man, general. We can't all claim the general, of course, but we know somebody out there fighting, and that's reason enough why none of us should relax for a minute until this thing is over. Some people have relaxed. Not many, of course, but some. I've heard them here and there around the country. I think the war is going to be over pretty soon, they say, and they think there's no point in breaking their necks any more to produce. Well, of course, when this war is going to be over is anybody's guess. Personally, I agree with Colonel Hans Adamson, the man who spent 21 days on a raft with Eddie Rickenbacker. He warned a patriotic meeting here in New York the other day that there's still plenty of hard fighting ahead in Italy, and that's only part of it. Here's the way he put it. It's a long march from the heel of Italy to the heel in Berlin. And every step we go from now on in will take more and more of everything instead of less and less. Naturally, not one of us would consciously do anything or leave anything undone if we knew that we were endangering the life of a son, a brother, or a friend. Of course, it's hard to pin this down that closely. 
But don't forget, there's a direct relationship between our production and their lives. And overconfidence can throw a monkey wrench in the works. Now, Phil Regan stepping up to the microphone to sing for you, Take Me in Your Arms. I'm sure you'll all remember a very popular song of a decade ago. Eleanor Stever sings for us the ever-lovely Alice Blue Gown. I once had a gown that was almost blue. Oh, the daintiest thing it was flavor as blue. With never forget me not placed here and there. When I had it on, I walked on the Oh, <laughs> 
This is your home front reporter again. You know, the American people are learning a lot of good lessons in this war. I know I have. You pick up quite a few knocking around the country. We're learning, for instance, that the ordinary things in life, like eating and sleeping, and getting from place to place, have a lot of important refinements. I remember one night on a day coach between New York and Providence. The train was jammed. People were standing in the aisles some of them sitting on their luggage. I stood out on the platform with about six other travelers, an old couple going somewhere to see a grandchild, a sailor and his girl, and a couple of businessmen on their way to Boston. For the first hour or so, I just stood and leaned against the wall. First one foot would get tired, and then the other, and then a kink would develop right in the middle of my back. The same thing was happening to everybody else. You could tell it by the expressions on their faces. Finally, we all just looked at each other and laughed all at once. And then we got into a very enlightening discussion about the art of riding standing up. The two businessmen were old hands at it. They'd been chasing all over the country since the war began, trying to find materials enough for their war contracts, going to Washington in search of priorities, hunting high and low for all the odds and ends they needed to meet the particular demands that war had placed upon them and their factories. Of course, you can't always get Pullman reservations these days, and so they had done a lot of day coach traveling and a lot of standing up. They had learned how to make the most of it, and here's the secret. There's a handrail on the platform of most day coaches. It's about a half inch thick. 
and it's an awfully hard thing to sit on. But I'll swear, after you've done it for half a dozen hours or so, you get sort of fond of it. You just have to learn how to move about on the thing. You lean a little bit to port for a while and then to starboard. You stick your feet way out for a little while, and then you spread them out to the sides. Or maybe you push them against the wall across from you. If you know how, you can make that handrail the most comfortable seat on the platform. Unless, of course, you have a good stout suitcase. Then you can travel in style. You just sit down on it and go to sleep. I don't set myself up as an authority on how to buy luggage, but take a tip from a weary traveler, and if you happen to be in the market for luggage, before you get critical of the color and the quality of the lining, just turn the case up on end and see if it will hold you comfortably. Maybe you'd better check first with a clerk. But if it makes a good, comfortable seat, you'd better grab it. It'll probably be your parlor chair for the duration if you've got to travel. I take it for granted, of course, that no one in his right mind travels these days unless it is necessary. Here now are Eleanor and Walter to sing for you the lovely duet from Showboat, Make Believe. The game of just supposing is the sweetest game I know. Our dreams are more romantic than the world we see. And if the things we dream about don't happen to be so, that's just an unimportant technicality. We could make believe I love you. I don't mean to be inquisitive, friends, but what are you doing with those packing cartons and wooden containers your vegetables and groceries come in? Well, just in case you're burning them up, throwing them out, or wasting them in other ways, I thought you'd like to know that those containers don't deserve and can't afford to come to such an untimely end. Not these days. They're needed on the packing line. Millions and millions of second-hand cartons are needed to pack up the food that must come daily to your local store. So... Please return the empties to your grocer, won't you? I know you will. Thank you.
Tomorrow at this same time, the Owens, Illinois Glass Company will present another program with your scouting home front reporter, Don Pryor, with Eleanor Stever, Walter Castle, Bill Regan, and David Brookman and his orchestra. Hugh Conover speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. We hope these old-time radio programs entertain and help you learn more about what Americans experienced during the war 80 years ago. Be sure to visit brickpicklemedia.com slash podcasts for past episodes and more information 